Hi, and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, the pastor of West Bradenton Baptist Church in Bradenton, Florida, Josh King, the pastor of Saxe's Church in Saxe, Texas, and me, Micah Fries, the pastor of Brainerd Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We're glad you're here. Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of EST. We're in the house with uh, Sam and Josh, and uh, Josh has been... uh, exulting in the glories of his uh, Dallas Cowboys. I was reminding them a minute ago that the only thing worse than the Cowboys being good are the Cowboys fans when the Cowboys are good. And so uh, Josh is a proud Texan, uh, which those are basically synonymous anyway, but nonetheless. Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) Don't tell our friends down in Houston who pretend they have an NFL team, but um, yeah. Yeah, we do. We do. Uh, If you're a Texan, you're a Cowboys fan. And the reality for our listeners is that Mike is a Green Bay fan, and, and at the time of recording, um, our rookie quarterback just ran straight through their Hall of Famer. But, hey, um, that happens occasionally. And, um, we, I'm going to reach uh, through the camera and uh, or reach through the <laughs> studio and go the microphone and go after Josh here. Micah, where was that game played? Did we win in, in Lambeau? I, I just I, I wasn't sure. I don't know. Hey. What, I was All I can tell you is I was literally at a bonfire working with immigrants and refugees trying to love Jesus well, so I wasn't paying attention to that oh, yeah, heathen Jesus. football that you were evidently paying attention to, Josh. <laughs> yeah, we probably canceled – Sunday services on Super Bowl. Um, but hey, listen, I am really excited about this topic because uh, we, we threw it out on Twitter. We asked people for the topics that they would like to hear. We, we got a lot of response back from that. Again, anytime, even if we don't throw that out on Twitter, just let us know at EST Church. Uh, Joel Buckland is actually the lead pastor at the First Church of New Knoxville, Ohio. He sent this one in. I thought it was fantastic. Asked the guys if we could bump it up. They agreed. The topic today is Young Pastor, Old Church. Thanks again to Joel Buckland, um, at Pastor Buckland, B-U-C-K-L-I-N, for throwing that in there. And uh, just the idea of being a younger pastor in an older established church creates all kinds of uh, scenarios. I thought we could kind of flesh that out to start with. Why don't we um, maybe go around, start with you, Sam, then Micah, you can pick it up. What is a a uh, relatable, maybe funny story of being a young pastor in an older established church you have. Yeah, well, I've got I've got a lot of them. So my my first church was a mega church of six people in the mm-hmm. middle of nowhere. They they said they're from the hollers. That, that when you ask, that's what they say. Um, six people, one deacon. He kind of ran the place. I went there when I was I think I just turned twenty five years old. So just to buy about any standard, it's probably young pastor, older church. Church was founded in 1856. Um, so a uh, lot of stuff that needed to be done there. They had not had services in over two years. Um, I, uh, I had to do, do everything myself. And well, wait a minute. You're they, telling me this was a church that didn't have worship services? Correct. They had not wow. had services in two years. That's wow. fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, hmm. so <laughs> I know. So it's it basically restarting an established church, but it was not like a church plant because even though they had been dormant for two years, when they came back alive again, we inherited all of those same problems that caused them to get to the point where they were because it was the same people. We've so, done it this way for 100 years, except for the last two, but we've still it, done it for 100 yes, years. Yes, yes. <laughs> 
So Herbie, and I'll, I'll use his real name because I guarantee you he is not listening to this podcast. <laughs> he's um, not. Uh, is that Herbie, because he's the, not technologically savvy or because he's, he's not a fan of Sam Rayner? He hates No, Sam. no, no. We ended up being great friends. <laughs> oh, okay, good deal. Just checking. Dude does not have the internet. There's does not have a does not have a phone. Um, so he doesn't have a phone. Well, like a cell phone. Oh, I mean, I'm sure he's got a landline. Sunshine it, into the haulers back there. Yes. So Herbie, I'd been there two or three months, I guess, preaching, and I, you know, I'd handed Herbie my resume to say, "Hey, I'm interested in the job." He just handed it right back to me and and said, "Well, just see how you do." So <laughs> I kept asking him every week, "Do you want me to come back?" And he's like, you know, he had this thick Kentucky accent. He talked like he had marbles in his mouth and um, just just said, yeah, yeah, okay, come back next week. And and so that this happened for several weeks, up to two, three, four months, however long it was. And finally one day, one Sunday, I'm preaching, right in the middle of preaching. He just stands up and just says, all right, Sam, we're ready to call you as pastor. <laughs> and, and so just interrupted the sermon. And, you know, I thought, well, you know what, this – Usually I would push back a little bit, but you know what? If they're going to vote on me now, then then so be it. <laughs> so um, he gets up in, in front and just said, all right, I got two questions. Two two questions. He said, first question, wrong, 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 so on and so forth. And I had no idea what he said. <laughs> no clue. And Herbie only asked yes or no questions. So I, I figured, you know, I'm going to take a a chance at this one and I just the first answer I just said no Herbie no boy he got mad I mean, he <laughs> got mad he's stomping around the church saying words he shouldn't say in church <laughs> and and so I uh I said oh man I'm, I might be messing this up I mean, all right second question circumstances and I thought well the first one was no let's just try yes yes Herbie yes and he really got mad at that one and just <laughs> just started just making a ruckus and bouncing around and just mad as he could be. So I looked at my wife who, um, well, she wasn't my wife at the time. She was my girlfriend at the time. She's my wife now. And, and she's from Kentucky. So I said, I need an interpreter. Um, please, you know, what did he say? Well, she looked back at me and she said, uh, well, the first question was, do you eat fried chicken? And you said no. And I thought, oh, man. And I said, well, what was the second question? And she looked at me and said, well, the second question was, do you chase women? <laughs> and you said yes. <laughs> they voted unanimous, unanimously to call me anyway. Yes, so, they did. <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll never forget that. I will never forget Herbie. I will never forget that first church. They ended up loving on me. It was a great church. It was awesome. We grew to like 35, which was you know six to 35. You know that that should get you an outreach magazine right yeah. there. Uh, that's some Top good percentage 100. growth. If only we knew people uh, at Lifeway Research, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yes, exactly. So it was, uh, yeah, it was an interesting place uh, for uh, for two years. Love, love pastoring there. So how about you guys? You All got right, Josh. So here's what I learned today: that Sam Rayner doesn't like fried chicken and he chases women. Wow, this is what I've learned today. Mark it down. Not exactly. Let, let, let me just go on the record and say I do eat fried chicken, and there is no way that I chase women. Typical Tampa fan. Typical. He's a Tampa fan, a Tampa Rays fan. So I'm Rays not sure fan. You can trust him. Well, anymore. you know, I pull for the Bucks too. I'm just not an NFL guy. I, I, I'm a. I'm a. Neither guy. are the Bucks. 
What's that? <laughs> oh, come on. Come on. This isn't even nice. That you guys are mean. Fantastic. You guys are Hey, his Cowboys are having one good season after a while, and he feels like he's That's all right. full of it now. This is our year. Every year, this is our year. So what about you? So uh, my Mike? stories are not nearly as good as Sam's. That tops everything. That was fantastic. I, can, I So I was thinking of a couple. One, I... I was pastor, the last church I was senior pastor of, I'd, I'd just been there short time, and a local, small, established church asked me if I would come and preach a revival for them. And I said, sure, I'd love to. I showed up, and there were two members of the church, two, so we're a third of your church, Sam, <laughs> two members of the church, a man and a woman, and they couldn't stand each other. One of them carried the authoritative power in the church. The other one carried the pocketbook. So neither of them could afford to not show up uh, because one of them had the, the checkbook and the other one had the, the authoritative power. And uh, anyway, nonetheless, I, um, so I was, I was at a church, small established church, uh, uh, preaching one time, and uh, they did youth night. We, I, was, I was preaching there for a series of, of services, and they had youth night for the night. And uh, you guys know the song, I may never march in the infantry, fly... O-. Yeah, okay, so really that was could, the song. Could you do, could you do that again, please? I, I'm not going to sing it, because if I did, nobody would listen to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. But that was the song, the special music, through a karaoke machine, while the worship pastor put his arms out like a wings of an airplane and zoomed around the auditorium, <laughs> round and round the auditorium. Quiet. And I thought to myself, <laughs> How do I preach after this? Now, now, this is a Baptist church? It was. Oh, wow. It was. They were reaching the youth. Wow. So, anyway, Josh. Yeah, we're going to jump in for our listeners. We're going to jump into some practical no, things. We we're not. We would... No, we're not. Yeah, you're, you yeah we're going to talk about story, challenges, Josh. blessings, all that kind of stuff. But uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that it's funny. Um, but uh, as I've said before, most of the pastors, so I'm the sixth pastor of this church. Most of them live in this area. And so they're very close. And funerals are mostly done by the previous pastors, which I'm fine with. That doesn't bother me at all. But one in particular was really, it was just one of those awkward situations being a young guy. And I had already kind of rubbed one of the previous pastors uh, wrong in that I wear jeans to preach in. And, you know, I, I, I just I, I use um, the, the Holman Christian Standard Bible, not the King James. And so there's a lot of reasons why this guy in particular doesn't like me. And so we're at a funeral, uh, the funeral house here in uh, Saxe, and, and um, he, he's going on preaching about this member who passed away. And um, he's preaching about her and himself mainly, nothing about Jesus. And all of a sudden, he says, um, and Sister So-and-So, she's been a member of uh, the First Baptist Church of Saxe for you know three decades. And I just think it's a shame that her pastor isn't even here to see her, you know, in the funeral. And, and, uh, and so, uh, I just, I start giggling, right? Cause I'm sitting right there. I don't <laughs> know is, what else to do. Right. Giggling at a funeral is not advice. That's no, not a good no. thing. And I'm on the, I'm sorry. I'm towards the back in the left. And, uh, the person I'm sitting next to was really frustrated at this point with the way he was treating me. And so she says, he's sitting right here. And she starts crying and the whole thing just kind of like, derailed and the guy's like josh josh is here and um i was like hey man and right here <laughs> just raise my hand so he tries to take this stab at me at a funeral and um you know it's just one of those things i didn't say anything i didn't say anything to him i was just like this you you're just gonna step in this yourself and carry that stink all over the place it really was a turning point for a lot of our older members who kind of favored him over me 
at that point it was kind of hard to to go with that candidate you know he he had ruined his reputation so um it was it's fun all, it's funny it's all about how you use the awkward That's, oh yeah because well, you're gonna have some awkward if you're sure. an established church pastor one of my mottos is embrace the awkward just embrace it just be as awkward as well when you're awkward. as awkward as josh is that's a lot more comfortable constantly to the constantly awkward, so. <laughs> awkward i don't even know i'm awkward until everybody else turns red uh right. so what about unique challenges? Yeah, what's unique? What's particularly difficult with being young? I think let's just be can, can we can we be honest for a second? I think you're kind of dumb when you're young, and I at least I was. I don't know about you guys, but I was, and I just I didn't know what I didn't know, and so I made all sorts of mistakes just out of a lack of awareness. And I mean, I grew up a pastor's kid. My dad was a pastor, and I used to travel with him, and that's how I learned to be a pastor in many ways. Uh, but I think there's a lot of realities about pastoring. Uh, that you got to kind of figure it out. You've got to touch the burner yourself and figure out that it's hot. And and when you're young, you just don't have that breadth of experience. And so praise God for churches that are really patient with young and and dumb guys. But I don't know. Maybe you guys are maybe you guys are a lot smarter than I was. But I I was a big big mess of dumb, especially and and not that I am not anymore. But when I was young in particular, mm-hmm. so much pride. Young guys are we're just so full of pride. Men in general are full of pride, and I'm not saying that older pastors aren't prideful, but I mean, uh, we just we're just dripping in it. And um, when we come in, we feel like this is the way it's going to go. We know what we're doing. Uh, you know, you have young guys telling older pastors, "Well, this is where you messed up." Speaking poor of you know previous pastors, like I just did in that story. But you know, <laughs> that's just the the way we are. We're just dripping in pride, and uh, I think that's one of the. It's not unique to guys. It's just more profound or distinct in younger pastors. More pronounced. Pronounced. Yeah, ministry is a grind, right? I mean, I call it the beautiful burden. I mean, it, it's wonderful if you're a shepherd. It's it's great, but it is a grind. I mean, you're going to work, if you do it right, you're going to work 60 hours a week, every week, no That's exceptions. Right. You know, it, and it, it never ends. It You, you know, you, you, there's very few ideals that you ever get to attain so i think a lot of young guys they come in with all these ideals and you just it's almost laughable because you can't achieve the ideals if you're an idealist like a purist in the the form of idea ideals you're going to fail as a pastor i mean because there's just no way that you can achieve all of those ideals in the church and it's just this grind i think a lot of guys have been doing it 10 20 30 40 years you know that grind has worn on them in a way that it's it's positive. They've been shaped, they've been molded, and and they know you know they're a little smoother in in how they react to things because they have gone through that grind. Mm-hmm. I think a, I think there's a lot of sharp edges to to young guys that take an older church, and and that grind's just got to wear them down a little bit. Not in the sense of exhaustion or you know flaming out or anything like that, but you know you just you just kind of need to be molded. And if so, if you're a young guy listening to this, you know. You can you can approach it from a positive perspective or a negative perspective. This grind you can you can just realize, hey, I'm being shaped, I'm being molded, I'm being kind of ground down to where I need to be. Um, or you can fight back, and if you fight back, you're not going to have a long ministry or a long tenure anywhere. You know what about the just the the fact of being a young man? You are figuring out how to be a husband. You're figuring out how to be a dad. You a lot of guys at this stage are working on you know education, maybe a master's, a doctorate. And you're going into just the challenges of being all grown up, you know, and having to buy a house, having to, you know. Did he just say all grown up? All grown up. 
Yeah, that's right. And uh, so, Sam, make sure your dad does not listen to this podcast. You're, you're trying to figure that out. Yeah. Hey, I'm just as bad with with uh, being a bit of a, a grammar, per, particular with, with grammar. Um, yeah. But I'll, I'll I'll be careful because you know if if you're particular and then you mess up, then it it comes yeah, back to bite you. Back. Exactly right. Just I've embraced the awkward, dude. Just make up <laughs> words as you go. You've embraced so, the Texan is what you've embraced. But anyway, that's a whole other issue. <laughs> no, but I think uh, so you're the, right. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Uh, Sam, I think it. Uh, I think it's your dad. I've heard say this. Of course, Sam's dad is Dr. Tom Rayner at Lifeway. Um, I think he's, he said we way over underestimate what can be done in ten years, and we overestimate what can be done in five. I, I think that's right. I think he's right about that. Uh, there, the tenure is necessary for so much of what's positive about leading in the the, the established church. And um, you know, when you're young, one of the challenges is you just don't have tenure typically. I mean, it takes age to get tenure. And so um, I, I think you're you're dealing with a short span of leadership leash uh, when you're young. And so I think that makes for a unique challenge. Uh, to the point of what I was saying a minute ago, just with the, the busy schedule, you've got kids, you're running around, you're trying to, you want them to have soccer. You know, you want them to have the things that they like, like kids are supposed to have. But at the same time, you've got a deacon's meeting and all that sort of stuff. You don't know how to manage these things. And sometimes I'm envious of my friends in my small group that are like, they leave work at 430 and nobody calls them. Nobody. It's just, (laughs) it's done. Like now, and I'm not pretending like pastoring is this unbearable burden. It is, we are blessed beyond measure that we get to preach the word of God and love people and, 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 we're paid Christians. I mean, and so that's a that's an incredible thing. But at the same time, I just want to encourage those guys, maybe as a practical note, when you're in that stage, you can only do what you can do. So preach Sunday, love your wife, be a good father, and make it through this stage. Get your doctorate done and make it through this stage because there will come a season when you've got much more bandwidth. I was listening to a podcast uh, interviewing Max Lucado the other day, and he just spoke with this like you said, the smoothness because he's been there. He's done this. He's gone through that season. He even mentioned that he's got, I've got more time. The kids are grown. They're gone. So I'm just encouraging guys that way. The other thing that you learn over time is the blessing of flexibility being Mm -hmm. a pastor. So, you know, if you want a nine to five job where you work 40 hours a week and it's just nine to five and you want to turn on and turn off, you know, turn on when you come into work, turn off when you leave, you know, ministry's not a good job for you. Um, but the blessing is, you know, I don't have too many, I have some breakfasts that I go to, but if I want to come into the office at nine or nine 30, because I was working late, nobody, at least in my church, I know some churches have office hours, but nobody in my church cares. So long as, you know, there's fruit in the ministry, there's, uh, you know, they feel like their pastor's there for them. So, Learning how to use those flexible hours is so critical because you're going to work a lot of hours, and you've got to be able to shape those hours in a way uh, that is most fruitful. So the blessing is the flexibility of ministry. You've got a lot of flexibility. The, the downside is it is a grind. You're going you're gonna to put in those – if you do it right, you're going to put in those hours every week. Yeah, I think the other – moving on from just unique challenges to this issue of blessings, uh, mm-hmm. and Sam's hit on one of them, and that's the flexibility of the schedule. I'll tell you, for me, one of the blessings is you have a long time to establish long relationships um, with people. When you're young in ministry, you have the opportunity to begin to develop relationships now that will walk with you, give you wisdom, guidance, you know, just enjoy, just fun for a long period of time in your ministry. I know for me, I have 
friends right now that were became friends of mine at my very first pastorate. And by the way, uh, this bleeds over into our final segment that we want to talk about practical steps that young pastors can use to, to lead well, but I'm going to go ahead and give it anyway. I guess Sam did with, uh, with his flexibility. I'll give you another one. This, this idea that pastors can't have friends in their church, I think, is a lie from the pit of hell, and I think it leads to pastoral burnout and pastoral frustration. Uh, I think God designed for us to be in community, for us to lead in community. We need to have good, long-lasting uh, relationships with people in the church as we lead. You guys can disagree with me, but you're wrong. But nonetheless, you're welcome to disagree with me. Um, I, I just I think we need these relationships. Some of these relationships that I have now, I've had for 20 years. I, when I was a youth pastor almost 20 years ago, I had kids in my youth group who are now married, and they have children, and they have careers. And um, these folks are, I mean, I'm still... Sorry, Josh just put on a Dallas Cowboy hat, and, and now I'm all frustrated and flustered. But nonetheless, <laughs> these kids, I've, I've still got relationships with them, and we're still you know trying to help disciple them. And they pick up the phone and they call me. Um, and so you need relationships in your church. And one of the blessings of being young is you've got the opportunity to kind of begin to establish these relationships that are going to be rewarding for a long, long, long period of time. Josh, what do you think? Mm-hmm. What are the blessings of leading the established church? Yeah, just think about this for a second. We are called, you know, if you get to the point where you believe that God called you to do this, which I think is a is a great point to be if you're doing this, but you are called by God to to fulfill a unique role. I know that all Christians are ministers in the church, but um, as the pastor, as a pastor of a local church, you are called by God to defend the bride. You are called by God to to you know uh, proclaim the gospel, to explain the scriptures. That is a really cool job that's a really unique gifting and so just you know we do have to put up with stuff um that uh are is not fun but here's the deal everybody has to put up with stuff the bankers have to put up with stuff doctors have to put up with stuff everybody has to put up with stuff Uh, the trash man has to put up with stuff everybody has something so i think a lot of times um pointing out the idea of our good the good part of this job if you want to call it a job, the good part of this calling far outweighs the negative. And, and for those of you who just kind of feel beat up by uh, the negative and things like that, let me just encourage you to to keep your eyes on Jesus, keep your eyes on sort of that that great calling that you are the one that gets to defend the bride. You are the one that gets to stand up and say, uh, thus saith the Lord. And, and that is a very cool position to uh, occupy. It is a burden. It is a uh, a, uh, a high calling, but it's extremely good, extremely cool. Michael, yeah, I, I would my my personality profile. If anyone knows this, I'm an ENTJ on the Myers Briggs. Um, so, for those of you who don't know what that means, is I cannot not lead. I mean, I, I I have to lead something, which can be a very positive thing, can be a very negative thing. I mean, these personalities can can go either way. But in the local church, everyone looks at me to lead. And, and I get to fulfill that. I get to fulfill the way that God has wired me mm. um, in, in, a, in a very tangible, real, and weekly sort of way. And when I was in the corporate world, um, I spent some, you know, five years in the corporate world, I got to lead some, but I wasn't leading an entire organization mm. like I am as a lead pastor in a church. And right. I just love that. I get to wake up every morning, and that burden is on my shoulders. And I, I love it. I, you know, put that on me. I, I, I enjoy that. I want that. I desire that. I think the Bible says aspire to that. Um, those are those are. So I, I get to do this. And oh, by the way, you know, those paychecks hit. 
Um, and, I, you know, I don't take that lightly. That mm-hmm. My church has invested part of the budget in me. Mm-hmm. And in my case, I get to be full-time. Now, when I started, I was bivocational, but either way, I mean, the church is, you know, investing in you, and that way you could say getting paid, but, you know, there's an investment there in your work, your ministry, and and I, I just think that that's this huge blessing that is sometimes missed in, 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 in leading a church. We talk a lot about the challenges and the troubles and the heartache and the heartburn and the headaches, uh, and they're all there, but you know, my church believes in me, you know, and, and I know that in a very real way because they're, they're paying me to do it, and I would do it anyway. I mean, even if the paycheck stopped, I'd still do it because I'm called to do it. It's not that, but man, that's a blessing. That is a huge blessing that, you know, I got, I don't have a garage, but I have a carport, and, you know, I have two cars to park under the carport, and mm-hmm. my church makes sure that I can put gas in them, and, and boy, that's that's just such a blessing. It's a blessing. Yeah, the, I, I want to, as we begin to talk about some practical steps, <clears throat> what are some practical steps? We've got five minutes or so left. We want to talk about some practical steps that, you know, that young pastors can take from this to lead well. All of us are still fairly young, 34, 36, and I'm 38, um, but we've all been doing this for a decade or more. Um, and so as we think through what are some practical steps that these young guys can do if they're leading in an established church, I'll tell you one of the things that have, has been really helpful to me is to stop thinking um, in terms of time management and work-life balance and to begin thinking in terms of rhythms. And so, for instance, I, I think work-life balance is a fallacy, particularly in the church world. Um, and But what I mean by that is making sure that we have this constantly even balance of time with family, time with recreation, time with church, you know, that sort of thing. The reality is churches don't work that way. There are times when... Um, your, your, you know, your life and your responsibilities with the church are going to be extraordinarily excessive. And that's just the reality. There are going to be 80 hour weeks. And uh, if you're doing it right, if you're doing it well, you're going to have those weeks and uh, you're not going to flip out over those weeks. You're just going to tackle it. But then there are going to be weeks. Uh, A good example for almost every church I know is the week between Christmas and New Year's. Uh, That's a completely down week for almost every single church I know of. And, um, what you need to do, I think, to lead well in the established church is not to try and balance or maintain a balance week after week after week, but to recognize rhythms. And when the schedule is heavy, you just recognize that. You and your spouse and your kids, you recognize there are going to be certain times where I'm going to have weeks where I'm going to just be here more. But then when the schedule is light, I'm going to make sure that I take advantage of those days and I'm going to, I'm going to intentionally work a little bit less those weeks because I know um, that I'm going to have to pay for that, you know, here in a, in a few more weeks. And so helping understand rhythms rather than work-life balance has been really helpful for me leading well and being able to maintain vigor and energy and good family relationships as I kind of work through uh, my responsibilities at the church. Yeah, and you have to be okay with the blend of ministry. And what I mean by that is it's sometimes very difficult to know when ministry ends and personal time begins. Right. Um, one example is I teach in our our children's choir. I'm, I'm not a music theorist at all. I don't know anything about music, but my wife actually teaches the class and I'm her helper. And our daughter is in that class. Mm-hmm. Now, is that ministry? Is that family time? Is that, you know, me just volunteering at my church outside of my normal responsibilities as everyone else does? You know, they have their own responsibilities at work and they volunteer at the church. I, mean, I, I don't know. Sometimes it's quality time, sometimes it's with family, sometimes it's ministry. 
I mean, it, it, you have to be okay with that blend. Now, certainly you need specific times for your family, you know, absolutely. But there are going to be many times you're like, and I'm at a Super Bowl party with my church members, and I'm having a great time. Right. Is that is that ministry yeah. or is that is that personal? I mean, you just have to be okay with that blend because it's going to happen a lot to you. And, and mm-hmm. I think you have to enjoy the blend. I think you have to mm-hmm. realize, yes, there will be a blend of my family time and my work time, but man, what a blessing. Like, uh, you know, everybody else, they have their work life. They don't get to have their kids with them for two, three, four, five, six hours a week when they're in their mm-hmm. work life, right? They don't mm-hmm. get to enjoy that. So, yes, there are going to be times when we, in the ministry, we do work a lot of hours. And frankly, you know, Sam's right. 60 hours a week is a normal week for me. I mean, it's mm-hmm. always, you know, always going to be that kind of a week. Uh, but I'm also going to really enjoy the fact that my kids get to be here and my wife gets to be here. You know, today I, get, I got to the office at 7 a.m. It's a Wednesday when we're recording this. I was at the office at 7 a.m. this morning. I will be here until 9 o'clock tonight. It's going to be a 14-hour mm-hmm. day for me. But my kids yep. are going to be here for a significant portion of it. My wife's coming to meet me this afternoon, and we're doing coffee with a family in the church. And then my kids will be here for church dinner tonight with me and, and my wife, and we'll eat dinner together. And then the kids will go to their activities, and I'll get to see them. I'll pop into their activities. That's not that's not typical for someone in their work life. L- let's enjoy that. Embrace that. Yeah. Um, and I would just add my favorite pastoral advice is preach and pray, love and stay. And that loving and the staying thing, I would just briefly add, figure out what it is about your community um, that makes people love living there and love that too. Love where you live. Love uh, the community. There's going to be times where the church is horrible. And if you love the city, you love the people, then uh, you'll be able to stay. And then also the staying thing. Uh, Go to a place and plan to stay there. Just burn the resume and uh, sit there. And there's so many times where I want to bail or I want out. And this is my biggest struggle, wanting out. But uh, there's there's beauty in staying in that longevity. And in fact, that's one of the beauties of the established church. Uh, That's it for our time today. I want to encourage everybody to follow us at EST Church on Twitter. Um, Join uh, Paul Lasso. Paul Lasso was the first guy to follow us that's not related to Sam. And um, so we really appreciate <laughs> though he Paul does, one. Though he does work on staff for me, so I don't know if yeah. that counts either. <laughs> it kind of counts. You want to know who the first person to follow us on Twitter was? Who, I do know who it was. Nellie Joe. Sam's mom. <laughs> Sam's oh, my mom. mom. No way. I <laughs> yeah. didn't even know that. She yeah, was the first. She was uh, the first one to follow us. And your brother was uh, the second after, uh, after we all followed. Um, and our, and so, let me tell you, of all my family members, I know my mom will listen. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know about the rest of them, but I know my mom's listening right now. You should be on good behavior. So Paul, right. Paul follows us. Um, Paul underscore Lasso L A S O, disciple of Christ, husband, blah blah blah. He does some work there um, on the discipleship discipleship team at Brainerd. Great guy. Um, so join that. Follow us at EST Church. Also make sure that you're subscribed on iTunes and rate us on iTunes. We appreciate all of you listening. We'll see you next week.